This is the Thrive Podcast with Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. And now, Pastor Fred Jeff Smith. Hello, and welcome to the 30th edition of the Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. I'm Fred Jeff Smith, pastor of Shiloh, and I'm very happy that you took the time to either listen or view uh, this version of Thrive. And I am delighted uh, today to have as my guest uh, the co-minister of music for the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church, uh, Mr. Lawrence Abair. Mr. Abair is an extremely accomplished musician. Uh, he is a professor at both Louisiana State University and Southern University. Uh, as I said, he's co-minister of music here at Shiloh. And if I'm not mistaken, he has his own music ensembles that he works with as well. Mr. Abair, thank you for taking the time to share with us today. I always like to start by asking you to just tell our audience a little bit about who Lawrence Abair is. All right. Uh uh, Lawrence A. Bear, <laughs> all you want to know about me. Uh, I was born in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Um, I spent half my life in Lake Charles. The rest of the half I'm learning I spent here, <laughs> right here in Baton Rouge. Uh, but yeah, I had a uh, very musical childhood. I grew up uh, in a musical family. Uh, my sister played the piano. Uh, and one day after she started practicing uh, and got off the piano, I started practicing, and I wasn't in piano lessons yet. So uh, my mom was like, you know what? You're getting some lessons. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it's, it's been a, a really cool cool journey thus far because I can honestly say that I've, I've had music in my life, like in every facet, uh, mm -hmm. from childhood uh, to adulthood. So uh, music, in a sense, brought me to Baton Rouge. Uh, uh, right, right uh, I guess it was... January, like January, my senior year, uh, and, and you know most seniors by that time you figured out where you're going. Um, like what, everything is everything is set. It's like if you're going to, uh, to college and stuff, and I didn't have all that figured out just yet. So uh, one of uh, one of my mentors uh, had some connections uh, with LSU. She knew a few people. She said, you know. Uh, you practice, like you, you have things ready. Uh, we're gonna get you an audition. <laughs> and I laughed at her at the time, because mm -hmm. I wasn't thinking about LSU. Uh, at, at the very least, I was uh, thinking of just staying, staying home, maybe going uh, to either uh, the local university there, or you know, just, uh, just, just staying doing what I was doing. Mm -hmm. But on the off chance, I took the, uh, took the opportunity, uh, drove up here to, uh, to Baton Rouge, and uh, perform my pieces for uh, who would later be my teacher <laughs> and lo and behold they, they liked they liked what they heard uh, they, they liked the the vibe that I that I presented and yeah just like that <laughs> I was going to Baton Rouge and from 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 there it's, it's just been one uh, one kind of journey after another uh, just all been music uh, musically related uh, Shiloh was a result of uh, my uh, direct connectivity to, to LSU. Uh, I met Everett Parker at LSU. Right. Uh, he was the gospel choir teacher there. Right. So, um, and he tried for many, many, many years. Because <laughs> uh, after he heard me play, he said, do you have a church here? <laughs> and at the time, I was still going back and forth playing uh, at my home church uh, in Lake Charles, uh, Sacred Heart and Immaculate Heart. And uh, a little country church out here, but I, I never really uh, considered uh, a larger type church, just uh, 
like one church. So he tried for about three, four years, and uh, finally he convinced me to uh, just go ahead and, uh, and give it a shot. And I dotted these doors and uh, uh, spoke then with your uh, with your father. Right. And. Well, uh, one of the first things he uh, he told me, uh, he's like, "Can you take direction?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Well, of yeah, course, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a Catholic. I'm a Catholic guy. Of course, I can take direction." Yeah. Um, and the second thing that he said, just because uh, Shiloh's a progressive church, he, he said, "Can you take direction under a woman?" And I was like, "Well, I mean, I grew up with, uh, uh, I lived with my mom all my life. <laughs> right. My mom says go, so <laughs> it's, 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 it's it's no thing." So. Um, I fit. I fit right in, um, and I guess you can attest. I'm still here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so uh, music has really connected uh, like every facet of my life, and I've really been blessed to uh, to to be able to, to to have said that. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Uh, music has has been an important part of your life. I'm sure that as a musician, you are asked to play all different types of music. And we know you here at Shiloh for your gift with regard to church music, gospel music, uh, even classical gospel music. But I'm sure that as a musician, you have your own personal taste, your own personal favorites. What is the favorite genre of music for Lawrence Hebert? Uh, in my childhood, I definitely like Mariah Carey. Don't know why. Uh, There's something about uh, the way she sang. Beautiful voice. She could do things that uh, that other people weren't doing, or, or very few. Mm -hmm. um, nowadays, it, it kind of depends, because I like Drake. <laughs> Everybody likes Drake. Um, I like gospel music. I, uh, Tasha Cobb, um, Benita Jones is, uh, has uh, has some really good stuff. As a matter of fact, you're going to hear one of those songs on Sunday. Okay. <laughs> uh, stand right. and proclaim. Uh, but really, uh, I say that to say I like all types of music. And uh, I tell my choir members all the time, uh, bring, me your, uh, bring me your song suggestions. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't promise you we'll always do them. Mm -hmm. But um, just hearing different people's uh, musical tastes. You never know what you like until you uh, until you actually press play and you and you listen to it. Right. So, um, I've developed a more a, like a deeper love for gospel music than I probably would have if I hadn't done the uh, the church route. So, yeah, gospel is is is, is up there now. Like okay. and, and contemporary gospel. Uh, there's I, I love the uh, I love traditional traditional gospel like your Mississippi Mass Choir, um, but there 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 are some good. Uh, some good artists, and I don't think they get enough uh, enough props today. Gospel uh, music has become more complex over the years mm -hmm. than it once was, as it has become more commercial and more uh, commercially successful from the standpoint of economics. Uh, it has become far more complex. Uh, there's more of a, uh, I hope I'm saying this correctly, more of a pop sound to contemporary gospel music than there once was. When I was a boy, uh, the musician here at, at the church, Mrs. Elizabeth Milligan, who played the organ here, she used to say to me, baby, if you can play a C chord, an F chord, and a G chord, then you can play anything in, in, in the church. I'm not sure that that's true anymore. In fact, I'm, I'm quite sure that that's not true. So talk about the evolution of gospel music from your standpoint as a musician. And how do you teach that to choirs? Because as as the music has evolved, what you have to teach to choirs has evolved as well, I'm sure. The short answer of it is 
Yes, you can sometimes. It just depends on the genre of music. Um, uh, at rehearsal uh, a couple of days ago, <laughs> uh, we were running through uh, that, actually that same that, that same song I just uh, just told you about, "Stand and Proclaim." Uh, the verse is four chords. I, I, I think it's four chords. You learn those four chords, bing, 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 bing. Mm -hmm. You have over half the song. Mm -hmm. um, now, there, uh, with today's music, there is more of. Um, there's not just necessarily a chorus and a verse, a chorus and a verse. There's a, a verse, a chorus, a bridge, a vamp, sometimes a second vamp, <laughs> and maybe even a comeback around with a, uh, with a key change. Because mm -hmm. um, I guess musicians and artists uh, today realize uh, there's, there's a lot that you have to, com uh, to compete with, and they, uh, they want to, to keep your interest as well as be able to, to spiritually inspire you. Uh, that being said, uh, I, I've noticed that uh, even with today's music, and you said that uh, today's uh, gospel music uh, seems to mimic uh, contemporary popular music. Right. That's always been the case, though, because if you go back to the, uh, the, the, the 50s and the 60s, and you think about a lot of those hymns and a lot of the, uh, the songs that the choirs were singing, they sounded like rock music, or they sounded like what, uh, what James Brown would be singing, like the chord structure. You got to listen to the music. Okay. If you go back uh, 100 or 200 years, uh, the, the music that uh, was being played in the Catholic Church uh, was was uh, Bach. You had Bach. You had Handel. These uh, they were uh, they were they weren't necessarily just church musicians. They were court musicians. So mm -hmm. they uh, they played at the pleasure of the king. So a lot of a lot of things that you were hearing uh, that the church was uh, mimicking from uh, was stuff that they were doing for the uh, for, for, for the people in, in the castles. For the so it may sound classical to us 150 yeah, years later, but, but it, it was actually popular music at the yeah, time that it was and, done. Yes, and I think uh, at one point uh, someone made uh, uh, like uh, made some noise about it. Like, uh, you know what? We don't want our music to sound like uh, this. And that's where uh, a lot of deviations started to, to arise from. Uh, with Catholic uh, music in general in the, in, in the church, because mm -hmm. you know there's uh, there's certain there's certain uh, certain things that they'll allow in the Catholic Church, certain things that they won't allow, mm -hmm. and this goes back thousands and thousands of years. So, uh, but yeah, music went through that. As so, well. is that still true now? Because I understand I, I, I've never been there because we're always in church here. But I understand that the gospel choir at St. Francis Xavier Catholic Church here locally in Baton Rouge sings all of the same contemporary gospel music that uh, you might hear at this church or at a Kojic church or, or at a Protestant church. So uh, is that a universal thing that, you, that you're just saying, that there's certain music that you can't sing in the Catholic church or what? Well, uh, the Roman Catholic church has gone through a lot of, uh, of transformation, especially in the last, what, 30 or 40 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the today's pope is a lot more progressive, uh, so there uh, there are there there still are very strict policies in place as to what you can sing and what you can't sing. And it's, okay. it's all and it's it's just like what we would have here. Uh, things that are based off of our doctrine, things that we believe. Right. Yes. Now uh, the Catholic Church goes a step uh, further because there are certain uh, there are certain spots where songs are supposed to go. Uh, for uh, for instance, uh, you have uh, uh, during the communion, uh, uh, you have to do a song that's 
dealing with communion, the bread, the, the, the body, and the blood of Jesus. Right. Um, some churches allow you to have like a communion meditation of him uh, after that is done uh, to where if you want to do an, an, an extra song or something that wasn't necessarily related to that. But uh, each song uh, is, is, uh, is supposed to be designated for a specific purpose uh, within the service. So uh, yes, uh, and it's always this, the this, the same. Like the first song is usually a praise song. Mm -hmm. um, the the second major song is uh, uh, maybe the the offertory song. So that's something dealing with um, uh, the preparing of the of the bread and the body, mm -hmm. or uh, offering yourself. Yeah, uh, and then the communion uh, hymn, something dealing with the uh, the bread, uh, and they they stick to this. Uh, but there are songs uh, in today's contemporary world. Uh, that you can find that deal with these topics. Now you have to you have to look a little deeper. Uh, uh, my so the structure is the same, but you you're allowed as a music staff to uh, have some choice in the selections of the music. You do. And, and, you, am I hearing you, you correctly? You do. Okay. Now there, because uh, uh, my sister is a uh, is a minister of music uh, at back at my home church. Yes. Sir. Uh, so, and I bless her heart. She's uh, she's had to uh, to go through uh, all the different the, the different changes because Catholic church that 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 I grew up uh, going to, uh, a lot of the mass parts have changed. Like things are things are a little different uh, now. Uh, where where we used to say the Lord be with you and the, the congregation would respond, respond and also with you. Right. Uh, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the, the preacher will say the Lord be with you and then the congregation will say uh, and with your spirit. Uh, and I guess it's uh, more, uh, I think it was, it was more in the sense of being more uh, doctrinally sound. Like okay. the, the, the peace be with you and peace be with your spirit as opposed uh, to to, to the, the other way. Uh, so it's, it's, it was small changes, but then there were larger changes because uh, the Catholic Church, uh, once again, they were trying to organize the, uh, the information, mm -hmm. wanted to get it right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so uh, the Catholic Church that I grew up with it's evolved over time, mm -hmm. uh, just like any other uh, any other church evolves right. uh, over time, and uh, it's a wonderful thing, uh, just because. Even though uh, I don't uh, attend uh, Catholic Mass uh, every week or so, uh, it kind of became like a family thing uh, for me because that's where my family grew up as. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool to see that in the 21st century, the Catholic Church is still doing things to keep itself relevant yeah. uh, because that's the, that's the thing overall. Uh, you believe in God and uh, you, you you have a nurturing spirit and you, you get that group of people together, uh, you can do a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, and it it's not so much Catholic versus Baptist versus non-denominational anymore. It's mm -hmm. about what can the people of God do to to you know to to change things or to 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 to, to uplift someone or to 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 set a right from, uh, from a wrong. Um, it's it's a it's a cool thing. Like it's 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 a well, really. Well, it's cool interesting thing. what you're describing because, uh, as I said before we started taping, uh, my wife and I had the opportunity on yesterday evening to attend uh, the ecumenical prayer service for the new uh, bishop for the Baton Rouge diocese, Bishop Duca, and 
the service, and you were clear to, to, to say to me that this wasn't a full mass, uh, but the service was so welcoming to all different types of faiths, not, not merely differences within Christian faith, but all different kinds of faiths. Uh, we were there as a part of an ecumenical gathering of, of clergy, and along with us there were uh, uh, Jews, uh, there were Greek Orthodox, uh, there were Muslims. Uh, uh, so you, you had, a, you had a, a broad cross-section of the faith community that exists within Baton Rouge. And we weren't, I didn't feel like a spectator as a Baptist. I, I felt like I was someone who was invited to participate in those, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't recognize the songs, but uh, I was amazed at the people around me, including my wife, who was able to sing all the songs uh, uh, with the the choir uh, that sang. But then within the service itself, uh, there was an... Uh, an opportunity for people of different cultures to display their culture. Songs were done in Vietnamese. Songs were done in Spanish. Songs were done in uh, in French and in German and in Latin. So you had this cross-section of things all within this one-hour worship experience. And I thought that it was a beautiful expression on the part of the diocese that we are open and we are welcoming to people of all different kinds of faith and to me that speaks to what you're talking about about the the evolution uh that you have seen within the roman catholic church i i only have a a surface view of roman catholicism based upon the limited amount of study that we did about the catholic church when i was in seminary but in that you are uh a catholic uh you i imagine you have you bring a different perspective to that and uh that kind of open and 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 affirming welcome uh, is is that now the staple of the Roman Catholic experience? I'd like to think so. Uh, uh, like I say, my sister uh, is the the minister of music at Immaculate Heart uh, in Lake Charles. Right. And we we well, we'll talk uh, from time to time because uh, she'll present me with uh, with some of the issues that she has going on. You know, every church goes through their their own issues. Like she might have an issue with a choir member, and I'll laugh because I say, hey, you know what, I went through the same issue with, uh, with a couple of choir members of mine uh, a couple of weeks ago. This is what I did. This is mm -hmm. what I did. So um, we exchange ideas. We ex uh, we exchange songs. Uh, we uh, we exchange. Uh, like we, we we talk to each other uh, about God. Like uh, like uh, she uh, she's, she's explained to me a lot of uh, a lot of the differences uh, with the uh, with the Catholic Church and with uh, why they do some of the things that they do. Because growing up, yeah, uh, I would do I would do everything, but I didn't necessarily know why mm -hmm. uh, we were doing everything. So mm -hmm. uh, uh, now that we're older. And now that she's she has that position, uh, she she tells me she's like, oh, this is this is why uh, that we we do everything uh, the way that we do it. And when I learned the organization of everything, uh, I I really learned that uh, the religions weren't so different. Mm -hmm. uh, like, uh, uh, 
to like to be Catholic. You just got a certain set of rules that you follow. Uh, within those rules, like there's so much that you can do. Yeah. Uh, I think there was a Sunday we uh, we sang some of the same songs. Like if you would have gone to, uh, to Shiloh's Baptist service, we had a good old time. Right. Uh, you went uh, two hours uh, to uh, to Lake Charles, uh, and you were at a Catholic service, and uh, the, the same song. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I think that week was uh, total praise. Um, it just, I think it was maybe uh, 4th of July week uh, for, uh, for them. But uh, yeah, it just it wound up being like a wonderful service. She told me how, uh, uh, she told me how, how well received it was uh, for, uh, from the congregation. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a great song. Like Richard Smallwood. Oh yeah, you can't, <laughs> you can't do any better than it that. It is. Yeah. Uh, so, um, like I said, the music, isn't all that different. It's how it's presented, and mm -hmm. uh, when it's presented in the right context, then yes, it, it makes uh, the Catholic service, it makes the Baptist service, it makes a non-denominational service uh, more welcoming, more inviting. Uh, and it, it puts it, it puts it, it, it makes it uh, more just just home feeling. Like mm -hmm. you feel comfortable mm -hmm. there. Uh, a lot of churches uh, nowadays get uh, get stuck in the. Uh, I guess in the, the facade that uh, this is what we were like uh, like a hundred years ago or fifty mm -hmm. years ago, mm -hmm. and they fight the ability to uh, to be able to progress, um, and it's a it, it's a sad thing to see because the church will age, and in order for the church to to remain youthful, uh, it has to change, it yeah. has to grow. Yeah. Uh, that's everything in life, yeah. and. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful that Shiloh is, is not one of those churches because when I got here <laughs> 10, uh, 10, 15 years ago, I can honestly say we weren't doing this. <laughs> this uh, that wasn't a thing. Right. Uh, uh, our services were different. The, the, and it wasn't that it was bad nor good. It's Very just, liturgical. It was, it was different. Uh, it's the way that we grew up. I, I used to joke that uh, this was the easiest transition. <laughs> <laughs> Because everybody yeah. would ask me, uh, I think it was a few years before uh, a lot of people uh, at Shiloh uh, uh, knew that I was Catholic. Right. I was directing. We just finished doing. Uh, uh, I forget what song. Uh, we just did it last week again, though. Uh, the Ricky Dillard song, the the na 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 yeah. joy joy. I come yeah. more abundantly. And after we uh, after that service, uh, the first time we did that song, people came up to me and said, "Oh, you directed that choir. You, you oh you did that. You I can tell you Baptist." And I, <laughs> I said, "Well, actually, no, I'm I'm Catholic." And they thought I was lying. I, no. I literally had to pull up some pictures and like, "This me, my first communion, yay!" Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so we joke about it now. Uh, they they tell me I'm. Uh, I, what, what, what's the word they use? They say I'm Baptist. Baptist. Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I say Catholic light. They, they say, uh, yeah, you're a Catholic. Are you? A <laughs> well, so. you know, you, you bring up something interesting about Shiloh and, and, and the fact that I grew up in this church gives me a perspective on how worship has changed mm -hmm. over the years. When, when I was a boy, uh, Shiloh had a very liturgical, number one, we only had one worship. There, there wasn't a two worship experience. It was just one worship at 11 o'clock. And it was a very liturgical worship experience. There's a lot of uh, responsive uh, uh, readings. Uh, you, the, the call to worship was responsive. Then there was a separate scriptural responsive reading that took place. Uh, the songs were uniform. Uh, 
we sang holy, holy, holy every Sunday morning. There, there was no worship experience without holy, holy, holy. There was no worship experience without the glory of Patrick. Glory be to the Father, Guess to the what? Son, to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Catholic. <laughs> well, it, 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 it was a part of the tradition of this church to have, and some people thought of it as high church. Uh, uh, my father was trying to achieve uh, a worship experience that he considered to be balanced, where you had elements of a high church experience that would appeal to one group of people, and yet elements of a more home, homey type of church that would appeal to a different... His idea was trying to appeal to, to the greatest swath of people possible through the worship experience. And to see how that worship experience has changed over time. And I used to tell people all the time, my father was far more adaptable to change than I was. <laughs> I took the worship experience that I grew up with, and I took it with me when I first passed it in New Orleans. I, I put that worship experience in place there. When I first went to uh, Greater Mount Carmel, where I, I served for 21 years, I put that worship experience in place. And ultimately, I recognized, just as you're saying, as times change, uh, that worship experience was was no longer relevant to it it meant something to me mm -hmm. but it what it, it didn't mean anything to uh to to those who were there and so we have had to make adjustments and those adjustments are still being made and now at at, at shiloh uh eight o'clock is different from 11 o'clock and i appreciate the difference and and i see the difference in who attends uh, and, and, and how they respond to the worship experience. The, one of the other things that I've had to, to grudgingly acknowledge, <laughs> God, this hurts to have to say this. Uh, <laughs> Most people who come to church on Sunday don't come to hear the preacher. <laughs> they, 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 come, they come for the music. Uh, and 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 if if the music is attractive enough to get them in, then you have the opportunity to preach to them. But by and large, people don't come to church to hear the the, the sermon. They come to church to hear the music, and, and and you know that because when certain choirs are singing, they come, and when other choirs are singing, they don't come. And that's just a a, a, a fact that you have to deal with. So. How do you respond to that? Not, you're no longer just a musician. You're, you're a music leader. You're co-minister of music. How do you make that fit in, in, in your music planning? Uh, you don't just sit down and, and look at a, at a list of songs. Okay, we'll sing that one and that one and that one. You, you're making some kind of a, of a spirit-led, uh, logical selection process. Explain that to us. Help us understand how, how, how you come to that. Well, I do think you sell your sermon short. <laughs> you deliver some great. He stuff. had to say that, folks. <laughs> just want you. To, he had to say. Well, that. no. Well, I, I say that to say because I've, I've had friends uh, attend attend the church service before, and the things that they were remarkable. Yeah, they'll say the, uh, that the, that the choir was good because they expect the choir to be good. You expect the the singing to be good, uh, but not all the time you get a good word because uh, uh, some preachers these days they they get up there and. I'm trying to put this in an elegant way, there's a, <laughs> you get certain, uh, you get certain, certain little cliched things that uh, after a while there's uh, like it works if there's some substance in the message, mm -hmm. but uh, if 
your whole sermon is just very cliche, like the Lord will make a way. Right. Uh, but you don't give a, a scriptural reference that, to show that, that the Lord made a way. Or, uh, or, I, people recognize when you're, when you're trying to educate them and trying to inspire them. And uh, like a lot of my friends that have attended the service said they really enjoyed the sermon because for one, they felt like they, they learned something. And then they felt like they were inspired to, to uh, like whatever their issues were, or it made it made them feel good. So uh, along the same lines, uh, when I'm uh, looking at music, uh, I try to put myself in that same position. Because uh, yes, it's, it should be a given that the music should sound good. Like mm -hmm. uh, not everybody's gonna like everything, but yes, if you take that out the way, so everything that we pick is gonna sound yes. Boy, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna work it out. <laughs> uh, from there, uh, I uh, so like for altar call. Uh, in most cases, I always try to find a song that's dealing with prayer. And maybe that's going back to my my, my Catholic roots uh, mm -hmm. days. Uh, and if not a song dealing with prayer, then uh, uh, like a hymn, something that you know that gets you gets you in the mood to pray. Right. <laughs> uh, it's not always gonna be a fast song. It's not always gonna be a, uh, like a, but it's not, it's not designed to be. It's designed to get you in the frame of mind to, to, to be able to pray. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, the song before you, uh, before you uh, do your sermon, uh, most times I try to make it a song about Jesus because uh, at the end of the day, <laughs> your sermon is always gonna come back around to <laughs> you need to accept Jesus right. as Lord and Savior in your life. So as long as I do that, I'm always right. Uh, uh, now the first uh, the first song that we do as kind of a yeah, it can be a little bit anything. I, you can take a look a couple of chances on that song. Mm -hmm. If all else fails, find your praise song. Praise song works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and that's generally how I approach uh, each and every week. Now, how do you think Shiloh is dealing with praise music? Uh, the praise and worship period, the praise team. Shiloh has two praise teams. For those who are not familiar with uh, the Shiloh order of worship, we have two different praise teams. We have an adult praise team uh, that sings at 8 o'clock uh, leading into the worship experience, and we have a young adult praise team at 11 o'clock that opens the worship experience. Not, not quite the same as leading in. Uh, at 8 o'clock, it's a lead-in to the beginning of worship. At 11 o'clock, it's the first part of the worship experience. I have to tell you, I think that Shiloh is slowly evolving to a place where they are more accepting of praise and worship. I've been here now five and a half, almost six years. I think that the acceptance of praise and worship is better now than it was six years ago. What's your thought on that? Oh, I agree. <laughs> I definitely agree. Uh, when I first got here, uh, we had, I think we had three or four praise teams. That being said, there was no uh, specific part in the service for the praise team. It, mm -hmm. it was like they were an afterthought. So the congregation treated it as such. Uh, they didn't know they were supposed to treat it uh, any other way. Mm -hmm. Like this is optional. Uh, over the years, uh, especially uh, with uh, with you coming on board, uh, we've made uh, the the adjustment to make them seem like less of an option and more inclusive, more more part of the ministry. Mm -hmm. And I think just doing that uh, from week to week, the people started to see, uh, hey, this is actually a part of the service. We should be paying uh, we should be paying paying attention. And then after after that. 
uh, then, and you know, hey, we kind of enjoy some of this. Uh, I, uh, I love the Young Adult uh, Praise Team. I, I think they're, hands down, probably one of the, the best praise teams uh, that you could assemble in a Baptist church. I agree. I agree. <laughs> uh, believe it or not, my, uh, my heart goes for the adult praise teams because I saw their struggle. Um, uh, I've been, I was speaking with uh, T. Tabor uh, over, over this past weekend, and she was saying how uh, back in 1996, <laughs> uh, they were still doing the nursing home service that we do every fourth uh, Sunday. And I'm 34 years old. Right. <laughs> in 1996, I was in the sixth grade. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. this praise team that I'm now in charge of right. has been uh, keeping an assignment <laughs> for as long as I've almost been on this earth. Right. So, and to see their transition from... Uh, like doing what they do and people not paying attention to them, not really giving them the time of day, to seeing the response now, that they, that they get a response from the congregation. When we ask them to stand, they stand. We ask them to sing, they sing. <laughs> and um, each week, uh, they get a little more confident and uh, I, I see the growth uh, for them as a ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, do, uh, do they always have the, 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 the best voice? No, not all the time. I and mean, we sing at 7.50 in the morning. Right. So it's, it's, it's hard to sing at 7.50 <laughs> in the morning. But I guarantee you, I, felt, I feel better uh, when I leave their rehearsal than probably any of the other rehearsals that I do. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's uh, the combination of that praying spirit. Um, and there are a lot of cancer survivors in, uh, in, in the adult praise right. team, too. So right. I, you just feel good after, you, after we pray. Like when we pray uh, to start the session, uh, I just, Sister Jerry, will, <laughs> she'll, she'll give that, that good prayer, like that right. heavenly father. Like, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, before you know it, we're all hugging each other. Yeah. And like it, it doesn't even feel like a rehearsal. It feels like, hey, we just, like we fellowship. And uh, same thing when we're about to end the rehearsal. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I have to rush them out because we have another rehearsal coming. Like, look, y'all, look, you can't be praying for ten minutes. Like, they going in. Just yeah. <laughs> the spirit I is the, the spirit is there. So uh, they are really near and dear uh, to my heart, uh, just because I've seen their their, their transition and mm -hmm. their growth. And uh, I, I, I wish more uh, ministries uh, could be could be like them. In, in that sense. In addition to your worship uh, experience responsibilities, as you just mentioned, you do a lot for Shiloh away from Shiloh. Music is, is a part of what we do when we go to the nursing homes. Uh, music is what we do when we do prison ministry. Music is what we do uh, when we have special evening activities. Music is what we do for the early learning center that we operate, music is what we do for vacation Bible school and other op and, and, and other aspects. With all that you do musically uh, for Shiloh, where do you have the time to teach at LSU <laughs> and at Southern and uh, lead the gospel course for LSU? and have your own ensemble. <laughs> How do you make the time to do all of those? You must have an incredibly disciplined life to be able to do all of that. I rest in the summertime. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a great question. Um, I guess as far as uh, just managing it, 
I always had a lot going on, uh, even even in high school. Uh, I wasn't an athlete. I, I tried to be. Uh, I, I ran track and cross country, um, and did choir in school, and then uh, uh, was in the, like the National Honor Society. But that was just how my family was. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, my mom encouraged us, and my dad uh, really encouraged to, to to get involved in a lot of things, and. Uh, so I learned how to multitask, I guess, really early on. Uh, my my biggest, uh, my, uh, the biggest thing that I had to overcome was my timeliness. Uh, I know it might not seem like all that much now, but I was, uh, I was always late to everything. Like, uh, that was my biggest yeah, thing. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> recall that about six years ago, yeah. But yes. Uh, but I don't have that problem anymore. I have, to, I have to be honest, I don't have that problem at all anymore. That, and that was something that I, I, I had to uh, had to kind of fix about myself because with uh, with all those balls being juggled in the air, uh, the only thing that was really keeping me from like, just having success uh, with everything was the fact that, well, you only got five minutes prepared for, for this that's going on right here, so I, how much can you really do? Mm -hmm. uh, so... Uh, yeah, things had to. Uh, like on Saturday now, like <laughs> my Saturday evenings are ruined because <laughs> if, if I don't have like a, a, an evening gig, pretty much by like 10:30, 11 o'clock, I'm, I'm like, oh man, if I'm not getting in bed, like I'm scared, I'm not gonna wake up. Sure. If I'm not gonna wake up, you know, it just all balloons. Uh, it just balloons up. Sure. So uh, yeah, I kind of scared myself into you know you need to start being on time. But then I saw the benefits of. Uh, being able to kind of prepare, just kind of, uh, and it, it made for a better experience. Like, I, I feel like I enjoy things a little bit better uh, if, if I'm on time to, to, to really be there. Mm -hmm. And then somebody told me, I can't, I can't remember who it is, but uh, the saying was wise and it stuck with me. Uh, like, the things that you value, you're there on time for. Mm -hmm. uh, think about anything that you like. Uh, and I, we we talked a little earlier. You know, you like the Cowboys. Yes, very much. <laughs> so you gonna be you you gonna be in front of the TV, ready to go as as soon as they come on. Yeah. You won't catch them in an hour, but uh, like if you can make it, you gonna make it. Yes. So, but uh, so yeah, I, I treat it. I like the Saints. So <laughs> when the Saints play, I, I won't <laughs> hold it against you. Ninety-five percent of my uh, of my uh, congregation is uh, are Saints fans. So. Uh, I'm, I, you know what? I'll tell you a story about when the Saints and the Cowboys played the year my Saints uh, went to the Super Bowl. Yes, yes. <laughs> and won. Uh, I threw a little uh, little super uh, not, uh, a little party at my uh, my apartment back then, and uh, the Saints were undefeated. Uh, I remember that game. In, I remember so that game. You probably know how it's going. Yeah. <laughs> T tell me your version of it. I remember that game because we weren't having a great year. <laughs> no, you but weren't. But we had a great night. So, yeah, the party was going great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then all of a sudden the game started. Yeah. Ah, by the end of that game, yeah. I was not a happy camper. <laughs> and everybody, uh, everybody that knows me uh, thinks of me as the nicest guy ever. They say I never, uh, I never not smile. Mm -hmm. After that game, I kicked everybody out. <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Y'all gotta go." <laughs> it's funny you bring that up. I, uh, I was, I was not the pastor of the church at that time, uh, but I was coming here. My father had suffered a stroke, and I was helping. Uh, him out with a couple of things and uh, Sister Effie Carter uh, who's a member of this church had a Sunday school uh, fellowship party at her house because uh, that game was sometime around Christmas it was close to Christmas time as I recall and she invited me to come to the house and I was surrounded 
by a Saints fan. And they were all watching the game, and, and they were having a ball. Reb, your team is going to get whipped tonight. <laughs> by the third quarter, they left me. Uh, and, and I was watching. I said, what happened to all y'all? <laughs> I was watching the game on that big screen TV all by myself. We had a good night. <laughs> had a bad season, but we had a good night. So I remember that game very, very well. Oh, Rev, yes. you would have had to go. <laughs> Peace be with you. You got to go. Peace be with you on the other side of my door. I, I get it. I get it. Um, music. M- music staff. M- musicians. I'm not, not really music. Musicians. There, there, there is a stereotypical cliched uh, uh, tension that exists uh, with with pastors and musicians. I don't know if you're familiar with that with coming from a Catholic background, but it has existed for a long, long time in, in Baptist and other uh, Protestant circles. It stems from the fact, uh, my, my take on it, it stems from the fact that there is a paucity of trained musicians that are available uh, to churches. Uh, Baton Rouge, if Baton Rouge has nothing else, we got churches. We got an abundance of churches. We've got eight o'clock churches. We've got eleven o'clock churches. We've got noontime churches. We've got churches that meet at three o'clock in the afternoon. We've got churches, 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 churches. What we don't have are uh, a strong supply of qualified, trained, uh, educated musicians to to fill all of these churches. Consequently. Uh, that the, there is a, a a a situation that always exists where we have need for qualified music staff and yet we don't always have the resources available or when you have the resources and, and the, the human resources available when you have qualified people we're not always able to compensate them the way that they need to be compensated as a musician, as a leading musician, as a musician who leads other musicians within this church and within the other things that you do, what's your perspective on 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 music staff uh, and and how that staff situation is supposed to work within a church setting? Hmm. Great question again. <laughs> well, as far as our staff is concerned, uh, what what I was looking for. Uh, were musicians uh, because our church we uh, we like to do different uh, different genres of music uh, we like to do classical music uh, where there are times when we do uh, contemporary gospel or traditional gospel um, I prefer to have musicians that can can do things in all these different genres I think the, the biggest issue that uh, that we have with musicians is that uh, most musicians can do one thing um, and that's great for certain churches, mm-hmm. uh, certain uh, certain environments, but uh, larger churches, uh, in order uh, to me personally, in order to reach a larger amount of people, you have to do things that that cater to uh, uh, a larger audience. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means you have to do more of one, uh, more than one genre. Mm-hmm. So uh, to have a musician that can uh, per se read music. Uh, but that can also pick up things by ear is uh, it, it's a valuable musician to have mm-hmm. um, even even in a college setting 
uh, 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 to use both LSU and uh, and, and Southern uh, as, as examples. Uh, in LSU, I, uh, I find that you have a lot of students. Uh, they're, they're really book smart as, uh, as, as far as uh, they can read music. You can put it in front of them. Uh, they, uh, and they got it. The, the challenge there is to, to get them to take it off the page and make the music come alive. Uh, like to add the the to, to add the intricacies, the the the, the little small the, the small things that mm -hmm. make you that make you remember the piece. Uh, now on southern side, uh, um, a lot of the students they can give you that without ever having seen the sheet of music. Uh, the challenge there is to uh, to get them to uh, to be able to make that correlation mm -hmm. and be able to put it on the page or be able to interpret it. Uh, that way, when it's on the page, and it's two completely ways, uh, two, two completely different ways of achieving the same goal. Because mm -hmm. uh, by the end of the four uh, four years, um, both students uh, will know how to read music, will know how to 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 to, to, to kind of hear it, and then be able to play it back, mm -hmm. and then be able to analyze it, interpret it, and uh, and and do what they need with it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but it's it's about finding the uh, finding those musicians, and finding the musicians that have the desire. Uh, if if uh, if the need is yes, we do need you to 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 want to uh, to read music. We need you to have the desire to want to learn how to read music. Is if that's the case, then yes, I I can teach you. I can make you do what you need to do. But that's that's really the challenge uh, to find those musicians that uh, that can uh, can read music or find the musicians that can uh, play by ear. And uh, and be able to help them uh, to 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 figure out that that other part or whatever whatever the deficiency is, and for them to be willing enough to uh, to want to to do that. Uh, I like to chart things out, uh, and for musicians that play by ear, sometimes that can be hard because uh, I'll I'll call out the actual chord name. Mm -hmm. um, and they won't necessarily know what that is. Mm -hmm. So that's a communication gap, right. uh, but that's a simple fix. Because uh, if you're a bass player, and I tell you, well, you're gonna get a, a quick music lesson. <laughs> uh, and it's a number system, that's, this is how easy it is. Let's say we're in the key of C. Right. And uh, you know, everything works like the alphabet, like A, B, C, D, E, F, G. So we started with C, and we did C, D, E, F, G, and then we ran out of letters, so we started back over. A, B. Right. You can attach numbers to all of that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So if you have a good ear and you know how all of that sounds, we'll even do the scale for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Shout out to my 104 <laughs> ear training <laughs> class. This is Do, and you got Do, Re, Mi, Fa, Sol, La, Ti, Do. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one. So it's a number system. It's a soul fetch system. Any system works. So let's say you're playing with, uh, with, with your bass player, and your bass player knows that little number system. Mm -hmm. Just from calling out this, uh, bass player knows, dum, if I call out this, he goes, dum, 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 dum. and I can communicate with my bass player now. And he can just make from that transition. Yeah. That okay, help me. Let, let, let's, <laughs> let's further the music lesson because, because now you've got me curious. How do you handle sharps and flats in in, in that situation? Uh, that's that's a that's a uh, that's a great question. Uh, let's see, what do we do for uh, for sharp? Sometimes I'll say uh, like flat three, because it's, it's an easy it's an easy thing okay. to say. Um, sometimes I might even point down. Uh, just it just it it just depends. Or like a uh, like a 
what what would I say? I, I would say maybe like a lower, uh, like a flat five. If ever I want you to lower something, mm -hmm. I'll say flat five or like flat five. Uh, vote, uh, uh, the question I thought you was going to ask, what happens when you got to do six and seven? Because, you know, you only got five fingers. Right. <laughs> no, but uh, I, I've actually, I, I've heard you in, re I've, I've sat in your rehearsals mm -hmm. and I've heard you on Sunday morning. And I've heard you call out numbers. Now you're telling me what those numbers yeah. mean. And, and I find that interesting. Mm -hmm. But I don't see how those numbers relate to sharps and flats, and so I'm I'm curious uh, how you handle that. Well, you just say uh, flat a uh, flat three. So uh, like if you uh, let's say the the scale is da 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 do re mi fa so one two three four five. When I say flat the third, you're gonna make that third change the sound a little bit. So it's gonna sound do re, and we say me da da da. So if I say flat three. He's, okay. He'll know to play duh, as opposed to duh. So they really have to pay attention to you as the director. If they don't know the song. <laughs> and even if they do. Sometimes even if they do, yeah. Because yeah. well, that's, the, that's the, uh, the, the cool part about uh, gospel music because it does allow for that uh, spon spontaneousness that that uh, in the spirit if you will uh, mm -hmm. feeling like if you if, if it sounds really nice I might you might see that mm -hmm. <laughs> that means keep going and uh, and in that uh, yes you can make a different song or you or you can make a song form within a vamp right there mm -hmm. I like to organize things so sometimes you might see me after I do this you see me do this right. <laughs> or sometimes right. you see me like do uh, those are all commu communicative uh, 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 they're, they're designed for the people that's supposed to do what they're supposed to do right. for them to know what they're supposed to do with minimal uh, like talking because when all the music is going you can't hear it you can't hear somebody say stop or go again but you can see this right. uh, you can see this you can see this you can see this mm -hmm. so that's how all those uh, hand symbols and stuff uh, uh, were born if you ever want to know okay it's not us being fancy and we like we moving around <laughs> I, I will say sometimes like if i'm enjoying the song yes uh, uh and they say uh you should be as happy uh on sunday as you are on saturday <laughs> i'm as happy on sunday as i am on saturday uh, whether i'm directing or i'm singing but a lot of times i am given uh constructive uh communications while I'm uh, while, while I'm up there and yeah, if, if you're not paying attention you don't know what it is right so. <laughs> right that's very interesting um, uh, and, got a music and, lesson <laughs> I, I did and, and I need one uh, uh, you know I, I, I've never had any formal music training I used to try to pick at the organ by ear but uh, because again Mrs. Elizabeth Milligan who was the first organist here at this church uh, and she was still alive when I was a child. She used to say, "Baby, all you need is one finger on one key, one finger on the other key, and one foot on the pedal, and, and, and you playing music." She had, she had me thinking I was doing. <laughs> and, and, and so I, I, I called myself actually playing. Man. Finger up here, finger down here, and foot on the pedal. Man, I was going to town with that. But uh, it, 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 it is such an integral part of the worship experience, it can help to elevate a worship, music can. And uh, when it's not right, it, it can make a worship experience flat. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and, and quite frankly, makes 
the work that much harder for me. <laughs> so so uh, I, I have a full appreciation for what it is uh, that you bring uh, and that shows. I, I have said this in, in worship. I don't mind saying this on this podcast for anybody who's listening. I think that Shiloh has one of the most talented music staffs you can find anywhere, not just anywhere in Baton Rouge, <laughs> anywhere, anywhere, anywhere in the world. You all are super talented musicians. Uh, we have several musicians here who have their own bands uh, and 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 uh, do extremely well, quite successful uh, out in the public uh, with their own bands, and yet they come together and work cooperatively here at Shiloh, and I think it's a tremendous asset uh, to what we're able to do. Uh, I'm, I'm about to wrap up. Uh, <laughs> I always ask uh, the guests here, uh, especially when I'm dealing with younger people, and, and to me, you're a younger person. Uh, do you think that Baton Rouge is a place that you would want to live the rest of your life, or is, or is this just a season, a, a protracted season of your life, and, and do you have plans that might take you away from Baton Rouge? And don't give me the answer. Well, you never know what God's gonna do. No, I'm, I'm, you know, what, 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 what is Lawrence? Putting me on the spot. <laughs> well, I ask that because I have a love for this city. Born and raised here. Uh, I spent a few years down in New Orleans, pastoring a church, but I never wanted to live anywhere else but Baton Rouge. And I, I see a potential in Baton Rouge that has yet to be realized. And to me, one of the hindrances of that potential is the fact that some of our best and brightest leave here and go to the Houstons, the Dallases, the Austins, uh, the Memphises, the Atlantas. And when I'm dealing with talented people, uh, I, I ask this question of Terrence all the time, the, the person who's producing this podcast. Terrence has talent that can take him anywhere he wants to go. And I feel exactly the same way about you. You have talent that can take you anywhere you want to go. I'm asking you, is Baton Rouge a place that you can see yourself growing old in? Yes and no. Uh, uh, yes, uh, in in the long term, because uh, I, I I feel like leaving Louisiana in, gen, in general is is a, is a great place to uh, to retire to, to 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 settle down to raise a family. Uh, I don't know. Uh, like when I say long term, I mean like twenty thirty years. Right. Like. But within like the next 10, uh, 10 or fifteen years, I would like the ability to just, to be able to travel because uh, I think that's the that's the one thing that I haven't really done uh, yet as extensively as uh, as I should be doing. Uh, I just spoke with a friend of mine uh, who moved who's moving back. Uh, he's he's, he's uh, trying to get his doctorate at, uh, at LSU, but he's uh, he spent some time teaching. Uh, he spent some time kind of touring around. He's an opera singer, and uh, he's just—he's been all over the world. Mm -hmm. Like, and to be able to do that, to be able to experience uh, uh, the, the just music from all over the world. Mm -hmm. Just—I feel like I do owe that to myself, uh, being a musician, uh, to, to to test my limits. Uh, that being said. Uh, I've been very fortunate to, uh, to be here in Baton Rouge, and a lot of a lot of opportunities, a lot of experiences uh, that uh, that I've had here, that I've shared with people here. Uh, I never thought that I would get that uh, here, which is why I'm still here. Mm -hmm. I, uh, so 
I, I, just a yes and no uh, question because I, 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 I do, uh, I do like staying here, but there is that that small desire for me to uh, to want to uh, to be able to travel mm -hmm. and and uh, and just. Yeah, just to do what I do, uh, but to be able to do it in, in a sense that allows me to go uh, all over the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fair, that's a fair answer. Uh, I, I just think that Baton Rouge has tremendous potential. Uh, uh, capital I agree. city of the state. Uh, I agree. Two outstanding universities of burgeoning community college system. Uh, you have industry here. You have uh, business here. You have the arts here uh, of a particular genre uh, mm. predominantly, but 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 it's, it's expanding all mm. the time. And I think that the quality of life here, what, what we have to offer uh, is tremendous. I, I also recognize that we have serious, serious problems. Uh, we have social justice uh, irregularities. We have bigotries and biases and discrimination. But I think that you find those things anywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and and so I would. I'm always clamoring. Uh, two weeks ago, I had a young man sitting where you're sitting, uh, who teaches in Japan, and uh, he he was home uh, for a while. And we had the opportunity to exchange ideas, and I asked him. You have any? You have any plans on moving back to Baton Rouge? No. <laughs> you know, Baton Rouge is always home. I always love coming home, but no, I, I have no plans to to come back and live in Baton Rouge, uh, and 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 that that's always a little bit disheartening to me because I I, I just think that Baton Rouge needs to do more to retain its talent and not see that talent go off in different directions so we're going to enjoy you while you're here until you just until you come in and say Rev, I'm, I'm moving on now but but for the time that you're here we're grateful that you've chosen to share your talent with us and i'm grateful that you took the time to share with us in in this podcast today wasn't that hard now was oh no it's fun <laughs> thank you all for listening thank you all for viewing we'll be back again next time goodbye <laughs>